SV Pod is presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. Welcome. It's SV Pod. The entire episode this week is a look back at March 11th, 2020, with the three people who were the main guests that night on the show that wasn't even supposed to be a show. Adrian Wojnarowski, Royce Young, who was in the building at OKC, Malika Andrews, who provided such wonderful perspective that night, and then in the bubble when the NBA season started again. Also, take you behind the curtain, as they say, our producer, Marco Alfandari, our director, Joe Uliano, to give you some context about, in many ways, the most memorable night of my career, uh, the night that everything in not just sports, but everything in the United States changed, March 11th, 2020. And action pleasure to be joined now by the people who in every way kept me afloat that night as we were trying to figure out what in the world was going on we have adrian warjanowski who broke the news we have royce young who was the quite literal boots on the ground in the chesapeake energy arena as the thunder and the jazz did not play we have Malika Andrews, who was in, in real time kind of getting the feedback of the pulse of players around the league as they were reacting. We have my my ace, my right-hand man, Marco Alfandari, our producer on the Midnight Sports Center, and Joe Uliano, our director, as talented a director as there is in our business. And the sense of this, guys, that I want is just what we remember about the night as we figured it out as we went. Marco, I want to start with you, just to kind of give people that's lit, that are listening a, an idea of what our evening was, because you and I uh, uh, kind of collaborate, our entire group does, on doing Sports Center at midnight every night. But that night, you weren't producing that show. We were doing our Wednesday night bit, which is the doubleheader. And our job that night was supposed to be what? Scott, Mavericks uh, Nuggets was game one of our doubleheader. So as you said, it was it was business as usual. We're tracking that game. Um you know, ordinarily we'd try and be in position with four minutes or so to go uh, in the first half of the first game of the doubleheader. Uh, that was Ryan Rucco and Doris Burke who were on that call, uh, who I'm sure we'll get to here in a bit. Uh, I can remember walking into the control room maybe a little bit early. Um, there were some early rumblings that maybe something unusual was afoot um, at the Thunder game. Uh, we weren't sure what exactly yet, but we, we kind of had our our ears open. We were, we were watching Woj's timeline pretty closely um, to see if any, any news broke. And I remember being in the control room. I think you were on your way up to the studio. And honestly, the rest of it's a little bit of an out-of-body experience as, <laughs> as things start to cascade. Um, you know, the, the news to that point was that there was going to be a, a board of governors call. I think the Warriors had come out and said, we're going to not play without fans. We did that cut-in, didn't we? We went up and, and didn't we do a cut-in with Woj prior to halftime where that was the news, I think? That, that, was, that was the early news. I think Woj was our, was our first guest. He broke, he broke the news that the Board of Governors call had happened. Woj, correct me if I get anything wrong here. Um, he, he broke that, that news, and that was sort of, I think you even said to him at that time, well, things could be wildly different by tomorrow or maybe even by the next time we, we speak, which uh, wound, wound up being prophetic. Is that, that that was the first thing that night, Woj. When you came on with me, I want to say it was like a first quarter we just cut in, and a cut-in is just where you kind of interrupt the action and have some breaking news. Is that that's what we did, isn't it, Woj? That's right, Scott. And I had I believe I had reported late that afternoon off of that owner's call, the board of governors call, that I think they were gonna meet again. They were supposed to talk again the next day. And I think I, I'm trying to remember if there was a formal vote coming 
but individual teams were making decisions about whether they would let fans into arenas. You were right about the Warriors were not going to, others were following that lead. And the feeling among and talking to the league office and talking to individual owners, I think at that moment, even in the hours before the uh, Thunder Jazz game, was the decision they were making was not stopping play, but playing without fans. And, um, but there was a sense that games were going to be lost. I think there was a sense that they were going to lose games to this virus. They, nobody had any idea how many, but it all changed obviously with, with the go bear positive test. Sure. We'll get to that, but like, keep remember everybody, like March 10th, the Ivy league said, we're not going to have our tournament. And I remember vividly like kind of laughing at them. Mm. Meanwhile, who laughs at the Ivy League? That's the smartest collection of people there is. That's like the scene in the movie where all the animals are running out of the forest. Like something terrible is coming this way. Yeah. And we were kind of, I think, I mean, Malika, you're laughing, but like, I, I don't you like, I mean, I should, I'm not speaking for you, but my reaction to the Ivy League is you silly Ivies, but what difference did it make? And that was March 10th. Well, I'm laughing because I remember on March 10th, I was in Los Angeles. I was at a game and I remember ESPN had started to call reporters and say, we need you to come off of the road. And I remember partly a tiny bit of me felt a little bit of relief, but a larger part of me felt like, man, I'm going to miss out on this historical moment of games being played with no fans. And in that moment, that's what my my thought process was it's that what was what was going to be so different and so groundbreaking was holding games without fans and to think about that now mm. versus what actually ended up happening no games were played i i found out about the shutdown i was in a cab on the way back from the airport to my apartment and we rerouted that cab to the studio because it was oh crap drop everything this is so much bigger than me being bummed. I'm not going to Milwaukee to document the first game without fans that never even came to fruition. And so it's just, it's amazing to think back to how quickly the dominoes started falling and, and reliving what Woj was saying. I completely glossed over in my mind now that we're almost a, we're a year out that the thought was, Oh, no fans. It's like, how was that even the thought that we had when we were looking around at, at what other sports leagues were starting to do? Uh, uh, Scott, I, I remember saying to uh, Malika and, and Royce and my editor, Christina Douglas, probably about two weeks before that, yes. maybe 10 days, 12 days yep. in my conversations with teams. And all they were talking to me about was the virus and what the league's doctors were every day. They were getting a zillion memos from the league. Hey, you've got to prepare for this. This is coming. They were doing it in a way that they were, the NBA was preparing its teams in a way that the United States government wasn't preparing its citizens, to be quite honest. And I remember saying to Christina at some point in a week before, you know what? We are getting to a point where I think all I'm going to do, all I'm going to be doing, all I should be doing is writing about this virus. I actually, I don't think there's any basketball stuff I should be really worried about now. I think this is going to consume us here very quickly. But even to the in, to the extent it did, I, I don't think any of us were prepared for that. 
Steve, for, for our, our listeners here, and we've talked a little bit about it through the years. I think people like to have a visual of what our, our Connecticut workspace is. It's kind of a fishbowl. It had about, what, five or six televisions down one wall. Then there's the big TV. Well, it's kind of an argument about what goes on the big TV, right? It's the best game of the night or Stanford or Maryland if they're playing, whatever the case might have been. But I can remember vividly, and Marco, Joe, Steve, please correct me if I'm wrong. We're keeping tabs on what's going on. We're getting ready to go up and do a halftime hit or whatever. And then, like, we're looking at that one TV, right? And we're like, and then somebody saw a tweet. And then we – I don't even know if OKC – I don't even know if that, that was on a TV, was it, Steve? And then, all, and then we fired it up because we saw a tweet. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, OKC. And um, there was a guy, Royce Young, there. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Royce, let's just pick it up right there. Like, like we all are kind of trying to piece together something is afoot yeah. in the Chesapeake Energy Arena. As best as you can recall, I'm playing music. They're trying to keep people occupied. You got to entertain us or we'll, we'll, we left to our own devices. We can't sit in silence for two seconds right. in an arena. What? How, how quickly did it go from something's weird to, oh, wait, this, something's happening? I don't know how quickly it went there. I mean, look, it, it's one of those things, that, Scott, where, you know, there there's just kind of this sequence of events that gets you there to where, for me, the moment everybody else realized it, where it was the Thunder's doctor, Donnie Strack, running off the bench, and that was kind of the moment you see him come running out and then something's happening, th- something's changing. That's the moment that I tweeted about. It's like something's going on. Donnie Strack has run off and interrupted tip-off here, and he's gathered the the game officials to delay the game. But there was all these little kind of like the slow drip leading up to it where Quinn Snyder in the pregame ruled out Rudy Gobert very, very distinctly. Quinn Snyder said Rudy Gobert and Emmanuel Moutier were both out for the game tonight. Then the Jazz PR came to reporters and they said, actually, Quinn Snyder misspoke. They're still questionable. And there was also just kind of throughout the day, I had heard from a few people connected with, with the Oklahoma Health Department that they were saying things like, hey, I think the Thunder game may not happen tonight. And so I had like that context in my mind all day long. And I thought it was just kind of because they may, the NBA may end up canceling something might end up happening. Cause like Malika and Woj were talking about, I went to the arena that night, Scott, I did a pregame hit. I think it was on Stephen A. Smith's six o'clock sports center. It was about like maybe one of the last games with fans. And it was like, mm-hmm. what's that going to be like? And so like all that context was kind of like rolling around in my mind. So when Donnie Strack comes running off the bench, it was like the Eureka moment, the light bulb went off. And uh, the Thunder's assistant PR guy, John Reed, was sitting next to me. And I pushed him hard in the shoulder. And I was like, I told you. I knew it. Like, it's, it's something's going on with this. Something's about to happen. Woj, how, how quickly are you, are you dialed into the fact that what's happening is what it is? And then how quickly from that was it that this is it? Like the plugs pull. What do you remember about that? There had been a sense in talking to the league and some owners that day that if there was a positive test, that they would at least shut down those teams. And I remember Steph Curry had had a cold maybe the week before, earlier in the week, and the Warriors wondered if Steph Curry had COVID. And remember, it wasn't easy to test. You didn't get the results back. Like the testing wasn't sophisticated, even at that level. There, there weren't instant um, a rapid return tests. And so – they had a wait on looking back. They had a wait on Gobert's test. They had a wait on, you know, Steph Curry's was days earlier. Uh, they thought Steph might have it. He didn't. He just had a cold. I guess it was a cold. And so, um, but yeah, I think once there was a positive test, 
And the sense was that they were going to, um, and knowing that the virus was in, was, had been in the United States and that there were, you know, any number of cases already um, that had been uh, attributed to it. And so it was inevitable that players were going to have it because it, it, everybody, it was going to touch sure. every segment. So, of course. Yeah. But, but I think uh, just, yeah, just in the, the time there, how'd you it, find, it I mean, I, I'm not asking you to tell me your source, but like, how, like, I, I don't know how this news gets like, like you get like someone reaches out to you and this is like, we're done. This is, we're pulling the plug. No, no, they, they announced it. They sent oh, out, okay. They, they did. the league announced it. And then I tweeted it off the league announcing it. I didn't, I, I you I'm broke not gonna, every other story. So I just, no, 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 no. I know. I, I know there's together in my no, brain. No, I, I know there's some, there's some who like to take credit for, for, press releases and publicity or uh, publicity <laughs> announcements, but like Woj it was bomb. literally, <laughs> yeah, it was literally just the league. I just want to know it. how many five hour energies Woj had that day. Jesus. Yeah. The next, yeah. Well, everybody, the next, <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. So um, that news comes yeah. out that, like it's over. And like Marco, yeah. we, we, we very quickly went from the one update to we've got to get Woj on and Woj, I'm going to get back to you because I'm really interested in what you remember thinking and feeling as you're saying these words on the air. But I want to go back in the control room now, Marco, and whatever our plans were for that night and for the next four months, they changed. What do you remember about that? Well, uh, for, for starters, I remember it's early third quarter. And as, as you'd kind of uh, discussed with Woj, you know, it, it was very fluid and it, information was coming in. It was changing quickly. We'd had Royce on during halftime as well. And he, you know, laid out the, this developing situation. They're still in the locker room. When are they going to be let out? What's going on? Um, and very early in the third quarter, Ryan Rucco tosses the break and said, we have some big news coming out. Uh, we'll get to you on the other side. And, and Scott, we can, I can count on, on one finger, the number of times that we have cut into an NBA broadcast and kind of commandeered it like that. And they just, obviously the, the weight and the gravity of the situation was such that it, you know, demanded that. Um, and as I sort of referenced, that's where it gets to be a little surreal because you're, you're processing this information real time and it's, it's weighty. And it's, what, what does this mean? And, and, and we jump into the broadcast and, and you bring Woj on and we go for, you know, multiple minutes and, and it's playing out side by side with, with a game. Guys on, on one side of the screen, on the other side, there's action and guys are drilling threes and coming down the court and there's, and it's a packed arena, which looking back on it now is it's uh, you know, a site we haven't seen in a year. Um, that was really, you know, the, the surrealness of it all and sort of you're, you know, we're trying to walk through it, but it's, it's almost, you know, you can't, you couldn't have even imagined entering the day, even as quickly as things were developing that we would have gotten to that point. Uh, it was really remarkable. Joe Yuliano, our director, go ahead. I mean, at dinner, like Royce was saying, that NBA governor's meeting, the vibe going into that was it was all about whether or not fans were going to be involved. I want to say at halftime, we were starting to get a real sense that things were going down. Woj was talking to us offline. I don't think we were talking about Rudy Gobert yet, but I wrote down, like Marco was saying, early third quarter at 935, we come out of that break and we cut in. We don't have Woj yet. We toss back. We say that the, the, the NBA season suspended. Right after that, we get that memorable shot of Mark Cuban you know, reacting on the phone. He's getting the news real time. He's, he's reading the Woj bomb. Two minutes later, 937, we come back in studio because we have Woj. And candidly, we probably didn't have Woj two minutes earlier because he was still tweeting. And it was that real time back and forth of we need to do TV right now, but he's not ready 
and we're just ping-ponging back and forth. We start talking at 9.37. The game keeps going. We're two-boxing it. And at that point, just a roller coaster for the next two quarters. Well, Josh, you're, as you're on with me, and we're talking about what we're talking about. I mean, you, I mean, we kid about it, but like you've broken the most significant stories of whatever that there's been in the NBA uh, in, in the last however many years. But this was a wholly separate conversation. Well, like, what do you remember kind of thinking as these words are coming out of your mouth on the air? I remember being really nervous. I remember having butterflies on my stomach as I was saying it. And well, just, my show, it's a big deal. I get it. Like, <laughs> I have that effect on people. Well, typically that does happen. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, typically that does happen. But, no, I, but, right, I'll stop being an <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I just remember in my mind going, and I, like everybody's watching this now. Everybody's looking to us. Like, you better get it right. Like, first of all, you better have it right. Not just that the, like, but there's going to be a lot of information. Your mind's already processing the next thing which was going to be um well that that kings the kings game was the kings game going to go on and initially it was going to be the league suspended after tonight but then they they went back on that i just remember i'm sitting right where in my home office and you know a few feet away is where i have the setup uh to go on with you i i just remember uh i i just remember just thinking uh <laughs> this is big. Like just, this is big. And I could feel the gravity from you and how I had my TV on. So I'm watching you in my office. And so I, I see it and I always hit the pause button before I go on air because it's, it's distracting. You don't want to have the TV running while you're on it's distracting. And so I always hit the pause button, but I could feel the gravity and how you were coming. You guys were leaving the game and coming to me and I'll, that I'll always remember that. And it's uh and as the night went on, what always, what I think about that night, a lot of ways, uh, I, I remember, you know, Malika was on in studio and her poise. I will always remember Royce's incredible. What Royce was doing in real time at the arena mm -hmm. was incredible. Exactly. It really was. But I remember the next day I was in Bristol and I bumped into Connor Shell, who was our, you know, who was, you know, obviously a, 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 one of our big executives at ESPN and, I remember just the first thing I said to him was, man, Royce was really, really good yesterday in that moment. And I, that's what I remember that night because physically being there and I was texting with people in the arena, I think Royce and I were going back and forth. And I remember I started texting with guys in the locker room and officials there and, you know, or both organizations, the players had gone back to their locker room. Um, but you more than ever, you, you felt, I felt it the next day when I was in Bristol on, on the air in sports center around the place. But, but that night um, I just remember being really proud, proud of being a part of the group. And, and um, but again, yeah, when you, uh, I remember when the words came out of my mouth, like I, I got, I remember getting goosebumps. I remember like, boy, that's a sentence. Like that's a <laughs> sentence to say. I want to, I, I echo that. I, I, we, we collectively, I think got uh, were praised because I think we were, all as a group measured. But I know for me, I felt calm because I knew Joe was directing. I knew Marco was going to be in my ear. And I'm going to get to where it really got crazy because honestly, it hasn't gotten as crazy. It got way crazier than this in a minute. Like it's about to get really crazy. At this point, we're still processing. But I want to go back in uh, the arena in OKC because you're right. Royce, you were excellent because you were able to, I think, reflect so sincerely and authentically 
how insane this was and, and how mind blowing it was, but while still like maintaining your poise as a reporter and you're giving us this in real time. And I remember vividly, like kind of asking you, like, who, who's the person in Oklahoma city <laughs> that you dial up on a Wednesday night. That's a coronavirus expert. Like you just got somebody on speed dial that comes in like, you know, <laughs> like the cliche, like with that little doctor bag and a stethoscope, like who, what are we going to do? How were you guys processing as best you could? Like what was going to happen? Cause in my mind, like, Remember where we were mentally with what that virus was in mm -hmm. March of 2020. Like I was imagining contagion, helicopters overhead, yeah. the Jazz are just living in this locker room for a month. They're not allowed to leave. Like you're there in that building that night. Take help me understand what was dealing with. Well, you know, and, and one of the one of the scenes that I saw very quickly, Scott, after everybody left the floor and they finally got the fans out of the building was this like I don't want to call them like a hazmat crew, but it was like a, like a dress down cleaning crew coming and basically just like washing and sanitizing the, the first four rows of seats. And so like that, like image in your mind of like, wow, this is like really going on to like a, a significant level. Cause you're right. I mean, we didn't really have a great idea of, of to like what was happening, the severity of it, how, how, what level of danger we all might have been in, in the arena. And everybody's asking you, do you need to get tested? What needs to happen then? So, but like all that type of stuff, like to me, that kind of came flooding in later on because right. like Woj was saying, you're in the moment. And so you're, you're trying to kind of focus down on what's important, what you need to say, you know, and again, I, I had a, a pretty good idea. I remember my, my first hit with you, Scott, like there was a pretty good idea that this had to do with Gobert in some regard, whether it was an inconclusive test that came back, whether it was a positive test, something in like, so like choosing those words very carefully as reporters, Malik and Woj obviously know this. Sometimes you, you have to say something without saying something. Right. And I think I, the way I said it to you was like, there's belief that this has something to do with Rudy Gobert. <laughs> While all the time I knew that like Rudy Gobert's either got it or they think he's got it. And so like, exactly. you're, you're, you're trying so carefully. Cause like Woj said, you know, there's a lot of eyes on this situation and you don't want to mess it up. You don't want to overreact. You don't want to instill panic, but also, you know, Scott, I remember you asked me at one point during the night, like who makes the decision on when they get to leave. And I also think you have to have the humility to say like, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know this answer. Sure. And I mean, and I remember also saying, I, I look, look the, we don't deal with this, the live breaking medical, uh, uh, <laughs> pandemics every day. Like Harden gets traded to Brooklyn. Let's sort that out. Malika, what can you tell us is the reaction? We're, we're good on that. Asking a guy on the fly, like uh, these questions. I, and I never want to put you in a position where you had to play doctor, but I do think that all of us at that point were trying to figure it out in, in, in real time, fumbling in the darkness with whatever this was. And once it was confirmed, it was Gobert. And as the night plays on and moves forward, we're supposed to do what's called a fill, okay? Now, in TV terms, a fill is just what it sounds like. The, the Pelicans-Mavericks game ends. The Mavericks win 113-97. to 97. I, think the, I think the Nuggets played that last quarter. Like, remember that last day of school when you're a kid? And you're like, no one's teaching us anything, and we're not paying attention. Like, that last quarter for them was like, well, I don't know what's going on, but the season's over. We got 12 points. So I, I looked that up, and I'm like, yeah, they kind of – whatever. We're supposed to fill before the Kings game and the Pelicans uh, play. Marco, I go up to do this fill and you're in my ear. And what, what do you remember telling me about what was going to happen with that? Cause it was going to be what Pash and Richard Jefferson, I think. And, and then you told me in my ear, ominous things. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not sure Scott, you ever went down. I, my recollection Maybe is you, 
<laughs> you were up there for that first woe chit and you were up there for the next three hours. But, uh, you know, we it, it was this that was sort of what was the next we, we knew what the big the big headline was the season's been suspended. But now you this continuation of this surreal scene, as you said, the the Mavericks players are leaving the floor. They're like kind of getting a standing ovation from the crowd. They're all waving goodbye. Very bizarre. And then we transition to Sacramento where there's a little bit of an unease and the report starts to come out that one of the officials who's working that night had officiated the Jazz's previous game. And, you know, we all know if there's if it's been two weeks since you've had a cut. So the Pelicans Courtney are Kirkland. refusing Courtney Kirkland. Mm-hmm. Right. The Pelicans are are not taking the floor and, and we're trying to sort out what's going on there. And we sent it to Pash and Richard, who I think were very candid and say, hey, we're we're trying to figure this out here too. You have one team's on the floor and shoot around. The other one's not coming out. Something about an official and, and very quickly, as we saw it develop there and, and that game got, you know, postponed as well. And at that point, this is where, this is where things really, we turned the lights off and we got on the roller coaster together <laughs> because at this point we we're now on the air and now we're not doing a fill we're doing a show. Now, Marco, as the producer of this show, explain what's a run, what's a rundown. So the rundown is, you know, what the show is scripted in a sort of loose sense of the term. We have laid out here are the stories in the first segment, and then a break. Here are the stories in the second segment and a break. In a in a halftime or a fill, it's very condensed. You know, usually we have maybe two minutes, two to three minutes of content total in a halftime. Well, now we're going. Unlimited. What was, what was what was our rundown when we came on the air? <laughs> uh, that night, Scott, there there was no rundown. Um, Joe, how many people are typically in a control room for a show, Joe? Typically, five to six in our room, and then you know, fifteen total elsewhere. How many people were in the control room that night at from like whatever time to what that we were on the air? Like, how many people were in there? I never looked back. <laughs> now as a director okay as the host of a show i need to know where i'm going i need to know what we're talking about and the things are laid out in such a way that they provide me the opportunity to say here's this lead into this highlight we do a highlight we're going to have malika join us afterwards for some thoughts on this bucks playoff game right that's how we scripted as the director not having the, the the graphics or the packages or the sound or the like what I was flying blind. What were you doing? These are some of the most fun shows because sometimes when you have a rundown and a script, you become beholden to what you have and don't have. When you have nothing, everybody is on the same page to some extent. So Marco and I are, are just making stuff up. The back bench, our, our coordinating producer, Diego, and Mike McQuaid, one of our executives, are just lining up guests. They're, they're on the horn with Malika saying, Malika's ready to go. I'll be honest, Scott, the, the, the thing that worried me the most was telling you left or right because you know when you're a little kid and you're learning left and right and you hold up your <laughs> hand yeah. and you go you real quick you go uh, left right I'm, I want to go left well your left is different than my left because when when I'm trying to get in your ear and it's all about brevity when you and me talk because you're talking at the same time I want to say because you're finishing a thought Woj turn left but what I was what I did not want to do is make sure woes is not to your right because your <laughs> world is 180 to mine 
And as you're ping-ponging around, you've been known every once in a while to get a little, you know, do a little twirly dance in your chair. I, didn't want I to- don't have the best grasp on my rights and my lefts is what you're saying, and it's I, true. Well, I didn't, want to, I didn't want to tell you the wrong way, and you take the long way to the east wall. I think there's things I'm good at and the directions are something I'm not good at. But like as like literally the reason I reached out to Royce and Malik and Woj is as I remember it, the only time that we came on the air to do this show that wasn't scripted, that just happened. And then we were on for how long, Marco, do you, do you know how long we were on? I know we were on without commercial interruption. I want to say it was like, it wasn't an hour. It was 45 minutes. If ish. More or less. I, I think it was. I think it was longer than an hour. Joe, you may have oh. charted it. Actually, we signed off at eleven thirty Eastern. We officially announced that the game was postponed at ten forty-five. So okay, so it was about forty-five uninterrupted minutes. The only time that I can recall that we weren't live talking to either Royce or Malika or Woj was we went to some bit of sound from Cuban. And, and what people that are listening that don't host shows you know, it, it would be maybe under, difficult to grasp is when there's a two-person show, Marco, as the producer, how, how would you be directing the traffic? Like, what, what would you do? You'd... So when, 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 you're, when you're on the air and you're interviewing Malika, I can get into Steve's ear and give him the traffic and tell him what's next and vice versa. We don't and have the it... luxury. When it's one person, it's, it's all happening simultaneously. And so I'm talking to Woj and Woj is giving me what he understands. And then we're back to Royce and Royce is telling us, Scott, they're still back in the locker room. At what <laughs> point, at what point did we get an idea that evening, Royce, as you recall about what was going to happen in Oklahoma city? Do you remember? You know, I think it was somewhere, man, I want, it's hard to put a timetable on it. I know that when all the health officials showed up to test the jazz, and you saw all these people walking in and like scrubs and masks and gloves and everything that there was some sort of clarity that something was happening because there was kind of a decision-making process of, was that going to happen? Who were they going to test? How, the, how were they going to approach it? And so, but no, there was, I mean, there was conversations about the jazz sleeping at the arena that night. Sam Presti, the Thunder's general manager was talking about bringing in cots for the jazz to sleep on because they weren't going to leave their locker room. Um, there was a few different points where Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson actually snuck out of their locker room. And I remember with the camera crew, we were like, let's go over there. And it was like, I'm about to try to ask Donovan Mitchell for an interview. He's obviously going to say no, but like, you know, we're, we're trying to do all these things all at the, at the same time. But, you know, when you kind of saw him come out, you thought maybe that something's wrapping up right now. But I mean, there was, there was really no point where I knew that the night was like coming to a conclusion for me until I saw the jazz buses leave the arena at like 2:30 AM. Malika, throughout the evening, and I've been waiting, and I apologize to keep you uh, sort of uh, on the uh, waiting on the bench to check in here. We're waiting for a TV timeout. No, 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 but the, the, because you were with us during this part of the evening. And that was during that 45 minute chunk of time to provide your, what you were hearing from around the league and from around people. And what do you remember about? Uh, your reaction at the time initially was, man, I'm not going to get to document what we thought it was going to be. Well, it changed. What, what, what do you remember people's reactions being? It changed quickly. I just remember there being so many more questions than answers. So usually I'm the person that is asking the questions. And so many of the questions that I, were, I was asking players, that I was asking general managers, that I was asking coaches were met with just more questions. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We don't know what do you know? What is this going to turn into? 
there was a collective sense of no one exactly knows where this is going to go, but we're a little bit nervous because what Marco was talking about, that playing connect the dots between referees, between teams you just played, between teams you played a couple of days, a couple of weeks ago. I I don't know that we had a true sense of, well, it's it's two weeks. That's the general rule of thumb at that point. Coronavirus was still so new in terms of information in the United States because of the way that various government officials and health officials handled um, giving out that information to the public. We didn't know what we know now. And so I just remember the collective feeling around the league was, oh my God, play is stopping. How quickly is this going to start back up. And at the time, I remember people feeling that it would be sooner rather than later, but also just being met with lots of questions, lots of what Royce was talking about, the I don't know answers, the what is going to happen next, the are we all going to have to get tested? And then the questions of of testing uh, ethics were coming up pretty immediately after sure, that and sure. and who was going to test positive next and were they that's scared? what I kept hearing were they scared like the players you're talking I to I think you asked me that I was trying to remember and I think I said I don't I don't know that scared was the word because I don't think there was enough information for people to be scared but right. everyone was nervous and everyone was uneasy that Woj, was that was the feeling. Woj, what do you remember about that? Whether it be executives, coaches, I mean, because there, there's different concerns, right? I mean, you got real life bottom line concerns, which still a year later are profound, right? And I get that. But at the same time, I, I just think of how many blind spots we had. There's still a lot we don't know about this, this virus. But it, it, a year ago, I remember thinking, like, I remember we were washing our groceries when we came home, right? Like, you go, like, any trip to the grocery store felt like, well, I'm diving into the deep end, honey. I mean, I mean, wish me well. Right. I mean, I'm not kidding. I mean, we're laughing because we can laugh at it now. But like as you as you were, uh, you know, pro- kind of probing through their, their mind, Woj, what do you remember people at that that night thinking? Well, it's it's certainly what Malika alluded to and, and Royce, the uncertainty of it. There were, you know, again, teams to the credit of the league The you know, when you're talking to general managers and you're talking to some owners there was, they had been pretty well educated about it. They weren't, they, they understood the gravity of it. And many of them understood, yes, that this is probably not going to impact uh, significantly young, healthy NBA players, but they were very worried about staff. They're worried about coaches. They were the same things that we would talk much more about later. Um, they, they worried about those, around players and, and the impact, uh, we knew enough from Europe and from over and from the rest of the world, uh, about the kind of people that were, were becoming significant, were becoming very ill or, or dying from it. Uh, I, I remember that that night and, uh, there were just, there were some teams and some executives who I remember who had talked to me more about it leading into over maybe 10 days, two weeks, three weeks, um, who whose organization not just was they had their own doctors really digging into this and what it meant to uh, the health of the players. They didn't know what's the impact on, you know, there were questions about impact, long lasting impact on players, not just even if they didn't get sick, but if they got the virus, not necessarily that they were going to get sick, but there could be uh, how does it impact their body? All those questions of course, of course. that they were trying to figure out. I remember a lot of that 
Um, but, but certainly that night, I remember hearing a lot of, well, maybe we're going to shut down for 10 days or two weeks and we'll, we'll be able to come back. And, but, but that changed in the days after it changed very quickly where they realized, um, no, this is going to be a long period of time. In fact, it may be the rest of the season. Um, but, but yeah, that night, I, I think there was a sense of, um, what do we do with our players? Where do we go? How do we keep them? Um, yeah. How do we keep them out of harm's way? And, and, and it just, it led to a million other questions sure. about the viability of, of, of the league moving forward that season. What do you remember thinking that night, Marco, about what this meant? Because, because remember, <laughs> I say, remember, as I forget, we had Farnham on our show, didn't we? We did. Because remember what was going on that night. Games are still going on elsewhere. Nebraska's playing Indiana in the Big Ten, and Fred Hoiberg looks like he's going to pass out. And people are like, he's mm. got it. He's Fred Hoiberg's a I zombie. I completely forgot about that. Remember? Hoiberg mm -hmm. was, a, was a COVID zombie. And I'm, again, I'm being flippant, but he wasn't. He had the flu or something. You know, he was, it, he, he, but he was, it was terrifying. And like we're trying to process in real time. And I, I'm thinking, oh, God, if it's the NBA shutting down, well, then clearly everybody else is going to shut down. And, and, and uh, par, um, Sean Farnham came on our show and said, I think we saw our last college basketball games played tonight. Really? I, I'd be shocked with given what's going on uh, in the NBA um, that we're going to say that professionals cannot continue to play the game, but we're going to allow amateurs to continue to be put in this situation. Um, it, look, you and I are both on the same page. We love college basketball. Favorite event of the year. I, I, I mean, when I came back here today from Las Vegas last night where I was at the West Coast Conference Tournament, mm -hmm. flew in on a red-eye day, I thought, hey, we're celebrating the game all day long. This is going to be fantastic. The tone has, has shifted, and as more and more information is coming out right now, it is really hard-pressed to believe that we're going to be putting teams on planes, flying them across the country. What do you remember thinking, Marco, about just the big picture of sports from what had happened that night? Yeah, you know, Scott, I don't, I don't remember it being nearly as as prescient. I was so wrapped up in in what was going on in that control room and on the air and sort of, as I said, the out of body experience. It was for me, it was all about that moment and tomorrow be damned. That was we were we were there were no rules, there are no breaks. We're 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 cutting into NBA games. You're turning from. Royce to Woj and you turn back to Royce and suddenly he's Malika and you turn back to Woj and he's Andrew Lopez and we're and Farnham's on the set and we're I didn't even know Farnham was there and then we go to some sound and here's Tim Legler um it was it was that controlled chaos that we often talk about and as, as yeah. Joe referenced in some ways it's it's part of the most thrilling part of the job when you have these types of moments but you didn't want the global pandemic to be the, the context for it, obviously. So I, to answer your question, I remember getting back into the room and, and thinking what just happened. That seemed like either the, the longest five minutes of TV or, or the shortest three hours we've ever done. And, mm -hmm. and I can remember, uh, you know, uh, Joe talked about our, our executive, uh, Mike McQuaid, who um, obviously means so much to this show. And he, he addressed our group and, and he, he obviously he's been doing this a lot longer than than uh, all of us. And, and he, you know, very uh, wisely in that moment said this is going to be a night you you talk about and remember for the rest of your careers. There's no question. Malika, how long did you stay in that apartment after that night? Did you did you, did you I mean, I remember doing hit after hit and it's a lovely, lovely space. But I, I feel like you were sort of there for a while, weren't you? <laughs> 
hours. <laughs> I mean, I, I, in that little, it was a, a room closet studio that night. I didn't leave until almost two o'clock in the morning because we just, we wanted to make sure whatever was going to happen next, we had easy access to document it. And then I remember going home, I walked home because all of a sudden you're talking about this disease and then it hits you. Oh wait, you're also susceptible to everything that's going on. I walked home at about 2 AM and I made sure my home setup was all set up for the, whatever happened next, because you just, you got the feeling Woj said it. He did. He told me a couple of days before all this happened, I think we're all going to be on the coronavirus beep here pretty soon. And that's exactly what ended up happening. And it was a, it was a hamster wheel. And I, I don't think we got off of it for a long time. No, we didn't. Royce, you're in the building that night until when? When'd you leave? Do you remember? I want to say it was about two, man, it might've been 3 a.m. Scott, just because I had one more thing. There's always like one more thing to do. <laughs> and I think it was like, I had to track a, uh, like a, like some sort of voiceover thing for like the 6 a, 7 a.m. sports center, whatever time that is. Um, and so like, I think I left at about three, I live about 15 minutes from the arena, got home about three fifteen, And then I had to be up to be back up to, for a live shot that I went back up to the arena for. So I had to be back up there at like 6 a.m. Ah, there's morning um, shows. I always, I know dead okay. gummit, but like, <laughs> I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, at one point I remember producer that I had that night who deserves a, a immense credit, Patrick Abraham who like is one of the most like crucial parts of that right. of our coverage that night and he was and like sidebar it was a really random set of circumstances that we even had a tv crew that night uh, mm. scott like they they i was supposed to do, we have like this like individual setup with a tripod and an iphone that we can do live hits with and that's what i was supposed to be there to do my pregame sports center hit with was just my solo shot with my iphone but at, at, at the last minute i don't remember who it was said hey patrick's over at the uh, university of oklahoma pro day and he says he'll just swing by with the crew that he's got and they can do your pregame live shot for you. I said, oh, cool. That, that, that makes it really easy for me. And it just, I mean, it was complete like serendipity that like we had that crew there. Anyway, um, but I remember he came up to me at one point, you know, after maybe we were into, into it for about an hour of like things happening. And he was like, hey, I just talked to some of the bosses and they, they want to let you know if you're not comfortable being here. Like, you know, we, we can, we can step out. Like if you don't want to be here and I get, I guess I gave him a look that was like, what in the, you know, are you yeah. talking about? And he just goes, my man. And he gives me a fist bump. <laughs> it's like, he knew too. Like that was, we were in it for the long haul. We weren't leaving that arena until the jazz left that arena. Like if they were there for the next week, I was there for the next week. And I, and we both fully understood that. As great as Woj and Malika were that night and were throughout uh, covering in the both in the bubble and all the rest for the long haul. Like, I feel like we as a company uh, owe you uh, a huge debt of gratitude because in real time, like that was a, that was a life changing moment for all of us. Every single thing in our country changed as a result of what happened that night, because the, the, remember Hank's got it right. And it's all the sense mm -hmm. like, oh, America's favorite dad got it. But then it was Gobert getting it and the NBA pulling a plug that everything in our country changed as a result of that. Every single thing. And you were the guy it literally in the arena. And I just I'll never forget how impressed I was with how present you were, 
and how concise you were and, and an ability to say, I didn't know, but share what you did. And I just, it's cool in this forum to be able to say just how much respect I always have had, even though you frequently don't wear pants when you come on our show, which is fine. <laughs> Why would you? The home cameras. I think we've all yeah. gotten used to the non-pants. I have them on right no. now. Uh, oh, there you go. But no, always respect. But that night, man, I just, I hope that you have a sense uh, a year after the fact of, of what that was. I mean, it's well, kind of weird to ask you, but do you, like, do you have an appreciation for what it was? I, I think I do. I mean, uh, my wife kept telling me that I was the face of coronavirus, which I don't think was as nice, a uh, nice a thing. Thanks, honey. As she is sweet. <laughs> um, you guys are saying way too nice things about me. I mean, in, in all, in all seriousness, I mean, I, I truly do appreciate that, but like the, Woj mentioned it, like just the, the team atmosphere that we have. I mean, you wouldn't believe, I mean, there was, there was information that I was able to share Scott, because a, a, you know, a, a bureau producer texted me that had a connection with the player that was there. All these little things that you're just kind of gathering from people and like the, the community atmosphere that I think that we have with a, with a lot of our coworkers was immensely helpful. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the thing that I was, I don't think at any point, Scott, that I said during the, the night and the day after that I thought this is a big deal. Like it was kind of I was very I tried to stay very present in what what was going on. Uh -huh. And then you could think about it later. But no, no question about it. Over time, I've definitely realized, especially because people keep asking me to do things, kept asking me to do oral histories and interviews and stuff. I was like, wow, that was a pretty big stinking deal that I was there that night. Uh, and, uh, I mean, it, it, I, I think that it's safe to say there probably won't be a, a bigger night in my career than that one. Well, for you, like the, the Malika spoke of the hamster wheel, like you didn't get off it. And cause the next morning, and then you, like, this is your job as it is Malika's like you guys, I don't think either of you, like, I don't, I don't know. Like what was the, like, I rem I'll get to my, how my night ended. Cause I, I'll remember it clearly for the rest of my life. But like, did you even sleep that night, Woj? Like, what even what even happens after our show? Does Woj sleep any night, though? That's a question. Know. Scott. I don't know. I I did sleep a few hours, and I remember our, same thing. I was up for the early shows, and then I had to find a window of time. It takes about I give myself two hours to go from my house door to door in New Jersey to the studio in Bristol, and one hour forty five, but two hours like if I have to be there for a show. And so I was looking for the window to go after the morning shows, probably get up and, but then to get there by the noon sports center. And so I, what I remember is racing, pulling, grabbing a few suits at home and, and heading out the door and getting a, a call about, I was somewhere near Waterbury, which is about 20 um, minutes or so away from Bristol. Maybe, maybe I was a little outside Waterbury. I got a call about Donovan Mitchell and that I was going to be able to report that Donovan Mitchell um, had also had contracted uh, the virus. So I remember I pulled over and I, uh, I tweeted it and I called our news desk and, and then kept driving and I was trying to get there in time to be on the set for the noon show. And then you're right. It just, and, but I remember that day there was a noon show and then the 6 PM sports center. Uh, I'll always remember this sitting. I, I went to sit down for a, I was just going to do a, a hit on the NBA and you come in during a commercial and you go sit down. And I think Reese Davis, there was a second desk there, I believe where Reese was talking to Jay Billis, who was maybe at the ACC tournament. And the news came down that the NSA tournament had been canceled. And I just remember sitting there looking around on sports center and like, yeah, the, go bear. And, and the NBA was one thing. And now, cause it's funny, you guys talking about the NSA tournament, was it going to get canceled or not? 
I thought they would be, they would hold out the longest because I just thought the level of greed and absolute disregard ultimately of the player safety by the NCAA, I thought they would probably get there on it, but they would have to be dragged to it that somehow the NCAA and most of these schools would, would in their minds will do it in empty arenas. Somehow we can do this. And so it did seem surprising to me looking back, of course, they had no choice, but no. I thought if there was anybody who could try to pull it off, it would be the, as an organization, it would have been them. Um, and I remember that, that day, but you're right. The next few months, it's funny. People would say to me, you know, who don't generally, who aren't necessarily in my orbit of work life. Um, so, so what are you doing? Like the season's canceled or the season's suspended. Like, what are you doing now? And I'm like, mm. <laughs> I wish they were playing games. That would be a lot uh, less taxing. <laughs> but every day, and I know Royce and Malika could speak to this, every day was, I know how to cover free agency, and I know how to cover the trade deadline, and I know how to cover the period of time where coaches are hired and fired and GMs are hired and fired. This was different. This was – the facts were changing so quick, the the and the sense of – you know, you're talking to the people of the players association, the league office owners, teams, and you're trying to cut this thing is moving quickly. And every day to try to stay on top of how the story was evolving um, was a great challenge. Um, and, and I just want to say this last thing. It was such a testament, not just that day guys, but the next several months when they make decisions at ESPN or anywhere else, about the value of reporting and the value of having an infrastructure in place that can carry uh, a news organization like ESPN. You, you saw the value, not just that night, that night, Royce being in Oklahoma City, Malika being uh, in studio and, and all our other reporters and all our field producers and everybody who contributes to it, uh, how quickly you were able in studio to have the, the group you have there to keep it moving and to keep the story um, to, to, you know, really be on top of it. I, I worry about that for our business. I worry about that for ESPN and that I, I know there's always hard decisions that have to be made and I get it. But if you like, that's the world we live in, the world's going to keep, it's going to keep getting crazier. And I, I thought that was uh, just not just that night, but the next as we move forward there, um, the value of reporting at ESPN was on display. And I hope people don't forget that because it doesn't just happen by accident and it doesn't happen without the kind of people we have. And then the commitment it takes to, to, to keep those people um, and, and to, to, to keep that infrastructure, because I, I do worry about that. I worry about it at our place and I worry about it in our business all over, all over. Well, I, I agree. And, and I think that, that again, and this, this, the, the reason I asked everyone that, that's part of this to be part of this, because I, I meant what I said at the top, like you guys, you guys kept me afloat in, in, on a, a night of just absolute chaos and stunning. I mean, earth changing news. And Malika, as, as we close this up here and I just get a last thought from everybody a year after the fact, and, and you had profound work in the bubble, memorable work. Um, I was just so proud of everything you did. And I was just enjoyed so much having you be a part of it um, throughout. If you have any moment, uh, is, there a, is there a clear a clear thought, 
a concise thought about that night and, and what happened after that night. Is there, is there a way to sum it up? I realize that's incredibly broad, but just a year after the fact, I guess, I guess it's really just sort of what you remember, what you think of it. Well, I'll just always remember the NBA as being a, such a key figure in the country taking the virus as seriously as it did. And you can argue it could have taken it more seriously, but to the degree that it did when it did, in my mind, it's synonymous with what the NBA did. And to, to Woj's point, there aren't that many moments. So often sports is the, the little brother, the little sister of a, of a newsroom behind politics and science and the metro section. But for those few days and so many times over this past year, whether it was for uh, racial justice conversations or conversations about uh, this virus, sports wasn't water skiing off the back of a national issue. It, it was the issue that people needed to pay attention to. And the reporting that we collectively met that moment with was something that I won't forget. And it's been interesting to watch the NBA grapple with being the league that set the standard of safety around the virus and then also um, weighing in this past season the business decisions it needs to make around generating revenue. But if I were to look back, I believe the NBA now will be thought of in pre and post bubble, pre and post coronavirus season. And the world, certainly this country, the way that we were in that moment, the NBA shaped that. The NBA shaped the way that the country responded to this virus. And that's what I'll remember. Woj, Malika, you've had a final thought. Royce, I give you the last of, of, of our reporters from that night. Uh, I'm just curious where you land uh, a year later. As I'm certain lots of people are asking you to reflect, but uh, I felt like we had a personal connection just given the, <laughs> that it was, it was our show that uh, – that you three uh, and and me and there were, there were others, but I mean you were the ones that we were ping ponging back and forth. I just I'll give you the final word on it from from the reporter side of it. Yeah, I mean uh, I I can't echo enough what Woj and Malika said, but you know the the things that really stand out to me that night that that will stick with me for a long time, Scott, is again just the the team atmosphere that everybody had for us. Um, the way everybody was willing to dive in to trying to get to do the best we could to gather as much information as we could. I mean, there's so many little scenes that jump out in my mind that, that, you know, from the moment that I, I remember standing up in my seat, getting a text from Patrick Abraham saying they want you on right now. And it was like this moment I like, I stood up for my, seat. I felt like, I know this wasn't the case, but I felt like 19,000 people in the arena were looking at me stand up and like take off walking was like, Oh, it's going on, you know, but that's the way it felt to me. And I remember, you know, the health officials showing up. I remember getting in a huge argument with some security guy about shutting a curtain and like, I'm, I'm normally a very uh, mild-mannered, <laughs> polite person. And I remember like screaming expletives at this guy. I was like, you can't close that curtain, acting as if I was very important. Like, I'm a reporter, <laughs> damn it. Like, it's a movie. And, you know, eavesdropping on conversations, trying to find out as much as I possibly could. I mean, I, I don't know if there's any one thing that I, like will, will supersede anything else. But like, Understood. I mean, there's just, there's no doubt in my mind that like, 
the, the thing that does kind of prevail is just the, the, the atmosphere and, and the, the community that we kind of shared in that night. I mean, it's, I feel like we're all best friends forever just because of it. <laughs> right on. I can't wait to vacation never together, but uh, <laughs> Marco and Joe, yeah, Marco and Joe, we, we, we've been lucky. Um, we talk about sports for a living and this is our job this is what we do. Uh, and there are nights, um, when we talk, particularly big nights, you know, uh, the Lakers win a title, we get a t- chance to talk to LeBron in the bubble and you see what it means. Or Nick Saban wins and you talk to him and you see what it means. Um, I appreciate that most about sports, accomplishment, permanence, um, things that will be forever remembered. Um, and that's what winning titles is. And those nights are always memorable to me. And I'm always grateful that that's what we get to do. That night, I remember that there was permanence as well, but different. Um, we were the ones that got to document this. We were. And it wasn't because we were good. We were just, we were on the air. It was just the, the cards were put in front of us. But what you guys did in that control room, as, as my director and my producer, allowed me to be the anchor that hopefully didn't throw the ball out of bounds. And I just, I always remember being so grateful because as an anchor, you have to trust the people who are in your ear. And I always knew that you were not going to put me in harm's way or or put me in a place where I didn't know what I was doing, even though I I might not look left or right. That's not your fault, Joe. It's because I'm a dumbass. But I just remember being so grateful that we had such a great group we could trust and driving down 84 that night and the reality that every single thing was about to just change. And it did. Um, That's that I remember that vividly then. and, and, And it definitely is what I think of now. And I wonder what, if there was a sort of a final, I'll give you guys each a final thought and then we're, we'll say that that's it for this because we've gone on long enough. Uh, just about that night, Marco, and then Joe, go ahead. I could start by echoing. I think I was, took me a few minutes there to digest everything Malika said. I thought that was really, really well put in, in, in the role the NBA has played in all of this. And then, you know, Royce, you know, echo as well, the, the comments about the teamwork. I mean, that it was it really was all hands on deck and and everybody offering to to contribute and to put us in in the position to succeed and people chiming in hey remember when Rudy Gobert touched all those mics do we need that b roll like everybody everybody starts thinking and pitching ideas and and coming together i will tell you scott and thinking about this a little bit there's two there's two indelible images for me from that from that night in the nba and it's it's mark cuban the shock at getting at looking at Woj's tweet and it's the little girl in Sacramento just absolutely destroyed that she didn't get to see Zion. Um, and it, it's, and it's, the, so it's the shock and the sadness and, 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 you know, and obviously in the years since there's been a lot more of that, but um, I, I thought that kind of encapsulated what that, what that night was and, and just the, how, how big that, you know, Woj, as he put it, he got butterflies. I mean, it did. It, it felt really, really heavy what was happening and, and almost, you know, like I said at the beginning, it, it really was an out of body experience. And, you know, we're very fortunate to have the people that we have here that were able to sort of keep keep everything together. And I'm glad, you know, Joe and I were able to put you in a position where you could navigate everything that was being thrown at you. And, and like you said a couple of times, I'm not trying to play doctor and not trying to play epidemiologist and scientist, but trying to navigate these very, you know, nuanced conversations we're having about health and safety protocols and what happens next. So, um, you know, glad we were able to put you in a good spot. And it obviously was a night, you know, none of us will ever forget. And I, I do look forward to our vacation, Scott, together. Yeah. I, I yeah. think we're all going to do that. <laughs> we'll have uh, our people get to your people quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Joe? 
we're very fortunate to do what we do and we work on some big events and we've been in the chair for some some major news good some not so good <clears throat> we just kind of flip a switch when we we go in the breaking news mode and i i can remember stepping away that night and even that drive down 84 and i don't think my perspective really kicked in until the next day watching the big east tip off <laughs> st johns and creighton yeah like, what this, the f- are you doing <laughs> And then, and then even more so, on the on the mothership at noon, the the new the twelve P Sports Center was was tiptoeing around tip off of the ACC tournament, going, I think they're going to play. And then in that hour at noon, the ACC ended up not playing. It all came back to the night before, and I sat there on my couch, going, at dinner previously, we thought there would be no fans in sports anymore, and that was going to be how the world was going to change. And then the positive test of Rudy Gobert and the cancellation or the postponement of the NBA season um, changed a lot of things. And then there was just the domino effect throughout the day. And then we had to figure out what Thursday night was going to bring on our show. And uh, the rest was history for the next year. I I want to say one, I want to say one more thing off of what Joe and Marco said. And I think part of the reason you want to come work at ESPN is you want to test yourself uh, with the best and be a part of the best. And I think when I think back to that night, but it's almost like any night on SVP and it's, it's because of Scott and it's because of his group, um, Steve and Marco, Joe, um, the, the whole group that what you always know you're going to get when you go on with Scott is you're going to be put in position to be at your very best. You're going to be, you're, you're going to have the question framed for you to, really deliver the information. Um, he's never going to ask you to sometime, like he's never going to ask you to speculate. He's going to, he, he, he's going to play to, and it's what makes him the best is uh, allowing you to be at your best. And I thought that was never so true is that night because part of when all hell's breaking loose and all hell was breaking loose in the world that, uh, Scott brought a calm to it and cut through it all. And it allowed us, I think, to just, here's what we know. Here's what's, here's what's happening. Here's what we know. And more importantly, what Scott allows for is what, and Roy said it, what we don't know, because it is okay to sometimes say, I don't know. And I think because, uh, because you don't. And so that's what I think about too that night. Yeah, we, we were all fortunate to be in position and, and report on it, but, but Scott allowing us to be at our best and your whole group. Uh, I know it's, 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 it's the whole group, but that's always the case. It wasn't just that night. It's every night. And so I wanted to say that because I know Malika feels that way. Royce, any of us who are on SVP, we talk about it amongst ourselves. I mean, there's just, um, it's, it's special. Excellence. Yeah. 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 Well, I know we, I know you're trying to wrap up Scott but I have to I have to say it too that you guys complimented me so much about how I was poisoned and stuff but seriously I was so comfortable. I mean it's like there's a comfortability of like I was just I was just telling you about it. I wasn't telling all the people watching I was just telling you were asking me in a very casual way and I was just telling you about it. I'm terrible, really terrible at taking compliments and I always do this self-deprecating thing and blah blah blah, but I'm just going to say thank you uh cuz it means the world uh to 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 hear kind things from people whose work I appreciate so much and who I appreciate far more importantly as people. So thank you Woj and Malika 
and Roy Shung and uh, Joe Giuliano and Marco Alfandari uh, for your help that night and for talking about it uh, again tonight. I mean, it's clear that we could continue on here, but uh, for our listeners, and we got a show tonight and we probably have to put that together because it's real fun to remember a night we did a decent show. It would suck to go do anyone right now because we weren't prepared so we'll go prepare for that but my sincere thanks to you all continue good health and uh until our paths cross again be well all right thanks that was fun thanks scott thanks scott, thanks, scott. thank you thank you scott if you enjoyed looking back at that night and the conversations we just had about it i implore you to check out 30 for 30 podcast presents march 11th 2020 it is remarkably well done it's the story of the day the nba shut down and the pandemic became real for many americans as told by those who lived the events that day built entirely with archival and exclusive interviews including rudy gobert dr anthony fauci march 11th 2020 We'll tell the story of a day that started in one reality and ended in a new one. 30 for 30 podcast presents March 11th, 2020. Subscribe and listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, our thanks to my producer, Marco Alfandari, our director, Joe Giuliano, the incomparable Adrian Wojnarowski, Malika Andrews, and Roy Shum. Podcast brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. Download the DraftKings app today. Use code SVP to get in on all the action. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next week.